0: Hi, I'm Anna-Claire Harper, and you're listening to the Return Property and Investment Podcast, sharing insights and information on key topics from real estate technology to sustainability. Feel free to get in touch or follow recent news by connecting on LinkedIn. Anna-Claire Harper. Hi, and welcome to the Return Property and Investment Podcast. I'm Anna, and I'm delighted to be joined all over again by Damien Fogg, who is the CIO of SPI Capital also an experienced building surveyor and investor, former lettings agent, financial advisor, and mortgage broker, and a successful author. Just published his second bestseller with me. My second bestseller too, on Amazon. Kind of on a roll, aren't we? Yeah, did we plug it enough last time? Not sure. So welcome, Damien. Thanks I mean, for joining. Clearly
1: we did, because we're a bestseller. So thanks
0: for who bought it. Oh, yeah. So, you're becoming a bit of a regular, can't seem to get rid of you, but... And why would you want to? Why would I want to? Well, we're going to talk about something that's quite topical in the market, and also topical for us in the work we do with our clients, which is fear and greed in the context of pricing. So, basically, it's all about price negotiation, because value, well, you can define what value is, according to Ricks. So, according According to to the
1: yes, (laughs) it is... And I'm going to read it for you to make sure I get it right. The estimated amount for which an asset or liability should exchange on the valuation date between a willing buyer and a willing seller in an arm's length transaction after proper marketing and where the parties had each acted knowledgeably, prudently,
0: and without compulsion. So there you go. It's basically what someone is willing to pay and also sell at when they come to an agreement. That's the price, the value, even not the price. But it's actually both at that point. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting in the context of two things. I think one is the general. House price level that has risen significantly over the last year or so. So, in I mean, the peak was about 13% house price growth annually, which was in the summer. Currently, I think the latest statistics from well, a couple of weeks ago were 10% growth, quite significant. And there's a lot of bids, there's a lot of reports of home buyers having to bid over the asking price to get a deal agreed. So this is kind of happening at scale because of demand and supply. And it's just basically economics, but also because asking price isn't necessarily a reflection of true value. There's also this hugely emotional dimension to property, which even more so if it's your own home, where if you fall in love with something, you don't really mind if you have to pay a little bit more. You're still willing to pay it, you're not as price sensitive. But it's kind of the same with getting deals done as well because people have emotional drivers there. So that's kind of the general thing trend that's happening, which is people bidding more than necessarily asking prices were and bidding up prices generally what about in the context of like the individual granular deals, I kind of want to talk about like negotiation and how you handle that. So what are the kind of things that can happen in that context, Damien, and that we've seen in the last couple of weeks with deals we've been agreeing with clients? I think
1: for a lot of people, obviously buying a house is one of the most expensive purchases you'll ever make. And it's not something people do on a regular basis. So it's it's not really something we have much practice at mm-hmm. generally as people. Now, obviously, because we kind of do it for a living, so we probably have a bit more experience of negotiating and buying properties. So at the moment, we're sort of going through a handful of transactions. And I mean, fundamentally, you have got someone with something they want to sell and somebody with money that they want to spend to buy that thing. So it kind of feels like you're inevitably going to reach a conclusion that suits all parties. And it's just how you can get to that point in the most efficient way without basically annoying one party more than the other. So the person selling it wants to get the absolute maximum price they possibly can. The person buying it wants to pay the littlest. Least, maybe? That probably would have been a better word, yeah. Either works. Yeah, the littlest. (laughs) Only
0: one of them in English, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: whatever. But the person buying wants to pay the least amount possible for it. And you've just got to try and bridge that gap between the two people and find a price you're happy with. And I think that's where we kind of came up with this fear and greed thing. It's the fear of missing out on not acquiring the asset that drives people to bid up the price, whether it's at an auction, whether it's a best and final offer stage. So we've got one at the moment that kind of went through best and final offer. It's always a difficult one that, because you don't know how many other people you're competing with. You don't know what level they're bidding at. You don't know if your existing first bid was actually the best one and should be left as it was. Equally, you don't know if you need to go to full asking price or above asking price. So it's a very or difficult one. even
0: to one. your maximum, because I think exactly, the you should always have a maximum price that you're willing to pay based on the numbers. If you're an investor, you've got your target. Let's say it's a yield target or a forecast return target, and you are willing to pay up to the point where you believe that point is. So let's say it's I don't know five hundred thousand pounds that you reckon you can make your return that you are targeting. You're willing to pay up to that, but if your starting bid was four fifty and you're told to go to best and final, well, do you go to four seventy five? Do you go to five hundred? Do you go straight to your best and final?
1: Is the other side just using the best and final Mm. as a tactic to try and get Mm. you to bid right up to your maximum? And there may not be anybody else bidding against you. Mm. Or is there genuinely several people chasing the same deal? And so the vendor, the person selling it, the agents, whoever's dealing with it, doesn't want to have to go through the backwards and forwards of several people and, okay, can you go up a little bit more? Uh, Now can you match it and go up a little bit more? So is it genuinely a good tactic? I think from a seller's perspective, it's quite a good tactic.
0: Mm.
1: I think personally, and this is because I'm a little bit childish, I, when I'm told to goes to best and final, I tend to leave my bid at exactly where it was. Mm. Purely on the basis of I know I've usually got a handful of other deals that would meet my criteria, so I don't get too emotionally attached to any one deal. I'm happy to walk away. Even if, and this is the childish part of me, even if I'd be happy to pay more, I just don't like being bullied into it. That's
0: really childish.
1: Yeah, it is. I wouldn't do that. I know. Unfortunately, as an adult. for the people that we work with, I'm not necessarily always in charge of those decisions. So, right. so yeah, so we do, as you said, you work out what's the maximum it's worth paying for a building, property, mm-hmm. asset, liability, whatever it is, you have your top line. And just so long as you're happy to go to that and you're not going to kick yourself thinking, oh, maybe I could have got it for a bit less. Yeah. What matters is you got it for a price you're comfortable paying.
0: And you basically have to trade off the fear of missing out on the deal with the fear of, not necessarily getting the very, very best price. And all of that. And to me, the decision on this and how you act is entirely dependent on your situation and your goals. For example, if you really want to have invested within, you want to have allocated your capital within the next week, let's say, and you've got this offer and you're asked to go to best and final, the sensible thing is to go up to your maximum bid because you don't have much time to find an alternative. Whereas if you've got the next year, find a deal then just like you said stay where you are and you may not get it but you've got time to identify a better deal and I think a lot of it is the timing element is something that you get, get that's where there's an emotional element to it as well because you feel like you're missing out whether it's you always feel like you're missing out there's always an element of fear in that
1: and I guess in the RICS definitions that's the part of acting without compulsion if you have a tight time frame that you're trying to work towards well, then you are, you are kind of compelled to try and get a deal done sooner rather than later. Mm. You may be willing to pay more than the value of the building because it suits you and your requirements. Mm. So,
0: And I think it's the same with selling. And again, this is where greed comes into it as well, because it's like, well, you want to sell for the best price and the buyer wants to buy for the lowest price, as you said.
1: It's generally how it works. Yeah. But no, I think the fear part is... Uh, no, sorry, not the fear, the greed part is from a buyer perspective as well, you're trying to pay the absolute bare minimum and so it's the greed element of i want my returns to be higher so i want to pay as little as possible mm. that is sort of where i see the fear and the greed right. side of it coming out but
0: again it also depends on the time because if you're planning on holding this for 20 30 40 50 years whatever then a small difference in price well then a 10 20 30 grand price difference isn't actually that significant because the time will be more significant if that makes sense, for value. Having the deal and holding onto it for a long time is much more significant than having it at the best possible price or not having it at all.
1: And that's where you have to look at it from a numbers perspective. If it's an investment property and it's going to make you £100,000 in a year, but you're currently being asked to pay 50000 more than you want to, if the difference is more than six months between getting a deal now or not, then it kind of balances itself out. Hmm. If you just sit on that opportunity cost and sit on the money without investing it, you're losing out. So,
0: And this is where, although I understand why you, what you were saying about being childish, I don't actually think that was childish. I think like you said... You
1: still called me, though.
0: I didn't. You called yourself it. You agreed. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Based on other information as well. So yeah, I don't think it's being childish to refuse to increase your bid when you ask for best and final. I think it's very sensible if you've got other deals and part of your strategy is you want to absolutely maximize the value at that point of that deal, i.e. your return on equity, and you'd rather not be making a return because you've got your let's say you've got your capital in something that's making a decent rate of return liquid investment that you're going to pull it out of and buy property, you're already making a return, you're just trying to improve it. If you've got that kind of minimum target in that kind of situation, I don't think there's any problem with just walking away from a deal. But if you do have a time pressure, then it makes a lot of sense to go to your maximum bid or go towards it. So let's talk through the possibilities then in terms of what are the risks and costs of choosing one option versus the other when you're in a negotiation situation like that and you're asked to either put your best and final bid in or Go above the asking price, basically. What are your possible routes and what are the pros and cons?
1: So let's say asking price is a million. You've offered 900,000. They've asked you to go to best and final. So is this the situation we're in now?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. And so we're weighing up what you could do with it. Yeah, point. your options and okay. what the pros and cons for each one. So you could, as I said before, just say, nah, my best and final is what I've already offered. It's 900,000. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Pros, cons? Pros, you're going to... Well, presumably you've offered that price for a reason. So it makes sense to you at that level. Whether that's your maximum bid or not is another question. But you're comfortable paying 900000 for it. You know if you don't get this one, there'll be other ones that you can go and buy. So it's not like it's the only deal in the world. That's kind of the pro put you in a very strong bargaining position. If there is genuinely nobody else bidding against you, and it's just a tactic that the agents and vendors are using, you kind of call their bluff. And so you could potentially get it for the 900000 that you've bid. That's the pro. The con, obviously, is there's other people that are bidding against you and they bid more than you. They might bid 901 and all of a sudden you've missed out on a good deal that you were quite happy to pay. Maybe your maximum bid was a little bit higher anyway, but because you're childish like me and stubborn, you didn't increase your offer. Now you've missed Have out on you a deal. ever
0: got a deal agreed by in that situation?
1: Yes. Just refusing to up my bid. Hmm. Yeah. Not interesting. Because they, the agents, I mean, obviously, I don't know for certain because you never would find out and that's, Kind of a good thing and kind of a bad thing. But it turns out there wasn't anybody really bidding against me. Or if they were, they were bidding lower than me anyway. So it was just a tactic that the agent used to try and get everybody to up their price. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it worked in my favor at that time. Mm-hmm. To be fair, it's not happened much. It's happened twice. Okay. So take that however you want. The other option is you figure out what your best price is. So let's say in this case, it's 950 and you just say, well, okay, I was happy. It makes sense on paper at me for me at 950, so I'll bid that. You now know you've paid the absolute max or you've offered the absolute max you're willing to pay for it. So the pro there is you've put your best foot forward. You couldn't have done any more. You could have offered bid more, but maybe you couldn't afford it or maybe it just doesn't stack up at that level for you. So if you lose it, you can walk away quite happy because that was the most you were willing to pay for that particular deal. The con is maybe you just spent 50k more than you needed to because there was nobody else bidding against you. But as you'll never know, it's quite a difficult thing to try and plan for there. So I think that then comes into the psychology side of it. You need to just be happy that that was the most I was willing to pay. And I got the actual thing I wanted. Mm -hmm. So take it as a win. Mm
0: -hmm. So let's just talk quickly about the fear and greed around bidding prices above their asking price. So something that... People who aren't focused on property every day often make confused is asking price versus value of the property, and will basically feel more or less successful depending on how their offer that was accepted or where they are um, in terms of the negotiation, how it compares with the asking price. So let's say again, there's a property that is on the market for five hundred thousand pounds, and you end up agreeing a deal at six hundred thousand pounds. That feels like a bad deal, even though it may be worth six hundred thousand pounds. So I guess what I'm thinking here is you have a couple of different options. You could always just say, look, I'm never going to bid anything over the asking price on anything. But again, you end up missing out potentially on those deals. And if you're in love with the property, which obviously we don't encourage emotional purchases, but the reality is for homeowners, it is emotional and practical as well. And there may not be other properties that are available that meet your requirements. So basically what I'm saying is don't be proud about going above asking price. It's not actually a big deal. The asking price is not the same as the value.
1: I think... It's very much, what is the market doing at the moment? So in Cambridge, for a long time, you saw anything advertised at a price, you knew it was going to go for 50 to 100k over that price. And then market conditions changed, and it suddenly became, well, no, it's whatever the asking price is, you'll probably end up paying that. Market conditions can change again, you actually end up paying under asking price. So I think you need to be aware of what's going on in the general wider market. Mm -hmm. And in the situation we've had over the last 12 months, where there has been a lot of demand, limited supply. Prices have been going over asking price. It's For some assets. For some assets, yeah. Yeah, not for all of them. Not for retail, for example.
0: Not for Um, retail, but also not for, for example, flats with no outside space in the middle of London, for example.
1: Well, I think it's been more common that things have been overly heated up Mm -hmm. and above asking price. So I think understanding the context of the market that you're currently in should direct more than, oh, I just won't pay more than asking price. Mm. Because as you say, asking price is derived by the vendor person selling it who wants as much as they possibly can, or the estate agent, they
0: might just get it wrong. Mm. They might just bid it at a price that isn't actually sensible. And well, Also, the estate agent has every incentive to put it higher, but that doesn't always... Estate agents are
1: weirdly motivated when it comes to that, having been one at one point, because you want to put it as high a price as possible to win the business of being allowed to sell the property. But you then want it at the lowest possible price to actually get the sale to go through because you're paid you know, 1%, half a percent, 2%, whatever it is, Your fee, if you get six hundred thousand or six hundred and fifty thousand or five hundred and fifty thousand, doesn't make that big of a difference to your fee commission. You just want the sale to go through so you can get the vast majority of that money. And so agents are kind of motivated to try and get the best price, but also just get a sale. So it's a bit unusual the situation that they're in. Yes, they work for the vendor, but really they're just working for a sale.
0: Mm. Yeah. So. Before we tie up, any other lessons learned or mistakes that people can avoid or you'd advise them to avoid in negotiation involving fear and greed and pricing?
1: I think you've picked up on most of them. I think if you're an investor, having a steady flow of assets and deals that come across your desk so that you aren't ever kind of over a barrel with one of them. You always know there's going to be something else that will come along that will meet your criteria. Doing the calculations before you start bidding to know what your maximum price is. And you know your maximum price might be miles above the asking price because it's just a really good deal. So if your target is you know 5%, 6% gross yield, and you find something that's on an 8% gross yield, yeah, pay asking price if you want. It still ticks the box for you. So I think, yeah, just try and be less emotional about the whole thing. Have a number that works for you in your head and accept that sometimes you'll pay more than you probably had to. Other times you'll pay less than you wanted to. It kind of all comes out in the wash eventually.
0: There is no perfect deal. There isn't. Okay. Thanks. So, <laughs> If listeners want to find out more about you, they can go to spi.capital. I can answer that one myself. I was going to ask you. If they want to follow what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Buy the book.
1: Buy the book. That's always a good start. Uh, <laughs> well, now they're best
0: sellers. I made a bit.ly link. So if anyone wants a quick way to access that, I think it's a bit.ly slash property legacy.
1: Lee l No, bit.ly.
0: Bit.ly. Okay, just making sure you oh.
1: clarified for people.
0: Okay, I see let's see trying to be helpful oh, I see you weren't well expecting <laughs> to be that no, definitely not okay anything else thanks for joining thanks for having me alright bye thanks for listening to The Return if you enjoyed this episode please leave a review as this really helps other people to find the podcast